Hey everyone, how are you doing? Welcome back to the Hey Mom, Why Did No One Tell Me podcast. My name is Rebecca for those of you who are new here. And if you're returning from listening, excited because today's podcast, we're going to be talking about money and, you know, personal finance from the perspective of someone who is in their mid 20s. Um, I'm also not salaried. Um, I have a fluctuating income every month. Um, I don't work a typical job, so it makes, you know, a really interesting and I would say sort of unique experience among my friends. But yeah, um, how are you guys doing? Um, I would say that not much has changed since um, 2020 as far as like my day-to-day activities. Um, so I'm just sort of, you know, in a routine, working towards new goals, um, working towards, you know, new projects, which I'm really excited that are coming up. And oh! Something really cool that I finally got to see um, was I finally got to see Wonder Woman 1984. And spoil it, but you should definitely see it. Definitely watch it all the way through. And yeah, let me know. Let me know how you like it. I'm I love talking about Wonder Woman. I feel like personal finance, and I feel that money is such like an interesting topic that people try to dance around. Because some people feel certain ways about money and like, you know, some people are pretty open about it and some people aren't open about it. And the thing that I like about personal finance is that it's personal, right? It is called personal finance because like it's personal to you. Um, Yeah, it's personal to you. I think that's the most important part and something to really keep in mind as we sort of talk through the episode today because personal finance is, in fact, personal. So just sort of to give you a background, um, like my experience, like growing up, um, I would say I was pretty fortunate that growing up money was like, as far as I know, was never something that I was concerned about as a child. My parents, like I never really heard my parents you know, talk about it around me, not to say that they didn't talk about it, because I'm sure they did, but just around me growing up, like it wasn't part of my world. And so I consider myself very lucky to have that experience with it. And then in college, I just met a bunch of, you know, different people from different backgrounds. And that's what I think a lot of what college is, you just meet different people. And um, I saw it from kind of all over the board. I saw people who, you know, were taking out like student loans to go to school. And I saw some people who, um, you know, their parents were able to pay for it. No problem. Also my school, my school, I think had like a big international like population. So I also saw students with like very expensive, like very expensive cars that were like, I'm sure like international students, they came from families who had money. So it was just like, it was a mix of everything. Um, So I think that was when I became a little more aware that it was very real, that people all have different experiences with, like with money and with what they personally sort of have gone through and their relationship to money. And I sort of um, was aware of that all throughout college and once I graduated, um, I would say I've been, I became even more, not hyper aware, but just more aware of like money and 
my personal situation and that was mainly because I knew like after college I went home and lived with my parents for like a year and a half because I had no idea what I wanted to do like I knew what I wanted to do but I didn't know like where it was going to take me so my thought was well might as well just go home (laughs) and figure it out from there and um, when I was living at home I was like okay so I know in about a year so I got out in like a year and a half got out well I know I chose to um, start renting living you know with other people um, just living out of my parents' house a year and a half after. So I would say that, you know, it was a pretty, pretty good timeline. Um, but I knew that I wanted to, um, rent and I knew that my finances were not all over the place in the sense that I had no idea where my money was going, but just all over the place in the sense of I didn't have a nine to five job. I didn't have like a salaried position, I was going to have different, um, different months were going to yield different incomes, and I was aware of that, and I was like, okay, if I can figure this out now, then I can sort of go from there, and hopefully, um, you know, figure out soon when I want to move out what is realistically affordable for me in rent, um, where I want to live, all that stuff. So I did that, um, and where I am now, I'm definitely in a different spot financially where I was when I was living at home. Like, I've had a couple jobs since I lived at home, and I would say the job I'm in now is really helpful with, um, like, living on my own. Like, I rent, but, you know, living on my own. And I, when I moved out, and I've... It's been like a year, a little over a year at this point. I remember when I moved out, like, I just became very focused on my finances for a couple reasons. One, because I wanted to make sure that I was able to pay my bills every month. But also, I became very aware of, like, retirement, saving, and I just wanted to make sure that I was in a good spot myself. And when I say in a good spot myself, I mean... You know, as an actor and as an artist, I have, like, I have this, you know, not desire, but I want to push myself. I want to make sure that, you know, like, I've made the choice to be an actor and be an artist. And with that comes, you know, some uncertainty. And I, I want to just, you know, I promised to myself that I would always find a way to make it work. And I wouldn't be the kind of person who, you know, lived, um who lived like the quote-unquote starving artist lifestyle. Don't like that phrase, don't like that trope. Um, But that's what I was trying to avoid. And um, yeah, I just, I sort of made a game plan for myself to make sure that I was making enough money to, you know, pay my bills, um, live a somewhat comfortable lifestyle, and, you know, save save for my future too. I think a lot of people, when they're in their mid-20s, we hear, oh, you need to save for your future. Oh, you should, like, save for retirement. And I know this is true for a couple people that I know, but it's like they can't see themselves at that retirement age because it's so far in the future. And if I'm being quite honest, I can't really see myself at that retirement age either. Um, So, like, I totally understand that. But I know that it's, like, it's going to come one day. And, you know, why not take care of myself 
now by putting my money into a retirement account and into savings so that when the time comes that I might need that money, I have it and I'm not stressed out trying to get it. So that's just sort of where I'm at with it now. Um, I would say that with the COVID-19 pandemic and everything happening in 2020 of last year, my finances have definitely been on like an up and down like roller coaster as I'm sure a ton of people's finances have been. Um, and I would say that that's probably been like, not, I don't want to say the worst financial year, but it's been like the most stressful as far as like my, like, you know, what's going to happen? Am I going to like, you know, what's going to happen to my job? What's going to happen to this? What's going to happen to that? Um, but we're out of that now. Um, it's 2021 and I'm like looking forward like to the future. Um, but yeah, that's just sort of where I'm at right now. And I want to start off with just talking about like some negative money ideas. So I know that a lot of um, people who are artists and actors, the thing that we hear a lot growing up, or not growing up, but it's like when you tell someone that you want to be an actor or you want to be an artist, a lot of times people are like, oh, well, actors don't make money. And the actors who do make money, it's like very, very few and far between and you don't actually know if you're gonna like make money as an actor it's kind of just like a shot in the dark and to some degree I agree with that but you can absolutely make a living as an artist um I know I had had a really big um I think I had like a big or I talked a lot about it in like one episode a while back um but yeah it's like the idea that you can't make a living as an actor is so old and outdated, or even as an artist. Like, it's it's not true, because you can make a living as an actor. You can make a living as an artist. Like, you can do it. But, you know, a lot of people, their first response is, and I got this, it was always, oh, well, you know, actors, you know, don't make a lot of money. Or, oh, my favorite, what's your backup plan? I'm like, that's so rude. Like if some, like if you went to someone who was studying to like be a doctor, you wouldn't be like, oh, what's your backup plan? And I think that's just, you know, a whole other conversation we can have about, about what society like quote unquote values and professions and not others. I have a lot of opinions on that, but that was definitely a big one. And it was, um, you know, like actors don't make a lot of money. And then also when I was in school, you know, I was studying theater. Like I got my degree in theater performance and people would always be like, oh, well, like, you know, that's nice, but some degrees are, you know, worth more than others. And I know people who were history majors, classics majors, English majors. I'm, I know some people experience the same thing where it's like other people just didn't think their degree was worth the same amount as like maybe STEM or engineering degrees, which I think is ridiculous. And if I'm being like honest, like I think that all degrees are on the same playing field. Like a college degree is a college degree. Yes, there are some industries where the entry-level salary is worth a lot more or the entry-level salary is a lot more than others, but like at the end of the day, like, I have no interest in working in, like, computers and, you know, 
like IT or anything like that because it's not what interests me. And even though like I know starting salaries for computer science majors are like really up there. And I know this because I have a lot of um, I know a lot of people who work in this computer science field like it, it's up there and that's great. And if that like that's what they want to do. So that's fantastic. But that's not what I want to do. So I've always looked at it as why would I make myself miserable, put myself through a degree program that I didn't want to do in the first place and probably wouldn't have enjoyed. Honestly, I probably wouldn't have been good at it either. Like I've talked to friends about like coding. I kind of know that Python is, I think Python's like a code you can write. I'm very confused about what it all is. Um, but it's like that kind of stuff I would have found so boring, (laughs) like so, so boring. Um, so I just kind of was like, you know, I'm going to go do my own thing. And at the end of the day, like I know people who have degrees in English and history and they have jobs. So it's not like if you were to study something that the rest of society deems like not not quote unquote worth it that you're not going to find a job because that's just that's just stupid. So, you know, if you're out there even if you're not like a creative artistic person, pursue the degree you want to pursue and you will figure it out. And like I I know sometimes like parents come into play and like cuz they're paying for the degree. But what I want to get across is that no matter what your degree is, it is not worthless, it is not useless, and you can do something with that. And the people who are telling you that your degree isn't worth it, they're not worth it. Like, that's just the fact of the matter. Like, any degree that you work towards, especially four years of, like, blood, sweat, and tears, like, like it's worth something. And it's all what you decide to do with that degree that's important. Um, but that's definitely, um, a soapbox and I'm going to look it off my soapbox for that. Um, maybe I'll even make a f- episode in the future about it. Who knows? Um, but I definitely have opinions on that too. I have a lot of opinions about a lot of things. Um, but yeah, that's something also I know that can play into a negative money mindset because it's like, oh, well, if my degree's worthless, then that means I'm not going to make a lot of money. And then that just snowballs. And then there's, um, there's also scarcity mindset, which is something that I didn't think that really existed until probably maybe like a year or so ago. And the more I heard about it, the more it made sense to me. And scarcity mindset around money is basically feeling like, you know, there's a finite amount of money in the world. And, you know, you have to like, take as much and like keep as much as you can because you're like scared you're not going to get more of it which yes one could argue that there is a finite amount of money in the world but something that I recently sort of started listening and adopting is that there is an infinite amount of money in the world like you could in theory make as much money as you want like the sky is the limit like you look at Amazon you look at um, Tesla I think I just read that Elon Musk um, surpassed Jeff Bezos, who owns Amazon. And Elon Musk, um, if you didn't know, he like owns Tesla. I think he just became like the richest man in the world. Like Elon Musk surpassed Jeff Bezos. 
So, I mean, there's, there's lots of money out there. And once I like realized that and I implemented it and I'm still implementing it, it's not like an overnight thing, but I was like, oh, right. Like there is more money out there in the world. And I think that's like really important to remember that there is more money and there are ways that you can, you can attain it. Like that's another thing. Just telling yourself, no, it is 100% possible that I can make more money. Um, so that's sort of like a bunch of negative, um, limiting money ideas, money beliefs that I've heard that I think just need to go. Um, so sort of how I approach my finances is, um, well, I budget. I really like budgeting. (laughs) Um, I actually find it very, like, enjoyable to go through my budget and, like, balance it, which is probably really nerdy to say, um, but it's what I like to do, and I know a lot of people are scared to do it, um, but I think that, I think the fear around budgeting really comes from, like, I really don't know what's gonna happen when I, like, set all the numbers out on the table, and that's, like, fine, and it's completely normal, but at the same time, it's, like, if you're serious about personal finance and getting your, like, money back on track, then that is something that you absolutely need to do. And it's going to be scary at first, like I was scared to do it, but you're going to thank yourself like 10 times over, like in the future when you do. So just as far as budgeting is concerned, um, so I personally use um, like a Google Doc sheet. Well, no, not Google Docs. I use, um, I use Excel, which they're pretty much the same thing, but that's like, I'm a big Microsoft and like Google person, but I created my first budget on an Excel document. So I guess that's technically what I use. Um, and it's nothing fancy. Like I say, I like using Excel, but it wasn't until after I graduated college that people were like, Oh no, like you can actually make formulas and do stuff with Excel. And I was like, Oh, okay. I just kind of like put in the numbers where I want them. And like, I manually add so apparently I'm not using Excel right, but it's fine. Um, but yeah, I use an Excel sheet for that. I know there are a lot of apps out there as well. There's like Mint, um, which I hear is really good. I've never personally used it. I think you do have to hook up like your bank account and like connect it in a way. And I just, I didn't really want to do that. Um, there's an app that I've heard of. I think it's called Every Dollar. Um, to help with budgeting, but there's, there's tons of stuff out there. So you don't just need to use an Excel document. Um, I just like using it because spreadsheets are like kind of my thing. Um, yeah, I use an Excel sheet and I know that there are a couple of budgeting methods out there. Um, I know a popular one is zero based budgeting where it's like you have your income and you sort of allocate your expenses and your budget is going to be zero in the sense that every single dollar you bring in that month is going to have a job. So it's like maybe X amount of money goes towards like your living expenses, like X amount goes to discretionary money, X amount goes to like your savings and investments. And once you do all that, it's like you have like a random amount of like $137 left over. Um, in zero-based budgeting, it's like, you're going to find a place to put those $137. Like, it's just not chilling there. Like, you're going to put that somewhere in your budget. Um, 
So that's like what zero-based budgeting is in a nutshell. Um, I know there's the envelope method, and that's sort of like an all-cash-based method, um, where it's like, you know, you have a bunch of envelopes. There's like one for gas, one for food, one for like personal spending, and you write the amount of money you have for each of that, and you have like like cash and like, you know, bills, and you put them in each envelope, and as you spend the money, you take it out of the envelope, and once you don't have anything left in your envelope, that's it. And I know for some people that really works, and I, I've heard that if you're someone who, like, you just know you can't use credit cards, you can't trust yourself with credit cards, I know a lot of people use that. Um, I don't think it's a bad method, it's just not for me. And the reason why I personally don't use is that it's like, it's all cash-based. And first of all, I don't really carry cash on me, like, at all. I maybe have, like, some emergency cash in case, like, I need it. But, I mean, most places, most places, like, they accept credit cards. So, I mean, cash isn't really a huge thing for me. And then the idea that, like, Let's say that your budget for the month is $2,000 and you take $2,000 in cash out of your bank account. Like, I don't know about you, but if I'm just like walking around $2,000 in cash, like that's that's very stressful to me. So that, that's why I don't do it. Um, so those are a couple of budgeting methods out there. I don't really use either. Um... And I sort of, like, I'll sort of estimate what my income is for the month. And remember, um, I don't have a set budget every month because I don't have a set income every month. It goes up and down. So I kind of estimate what it is, take out all of my living expenses, so my rent, um, groceries, transportation. I sort of, like, estimate those as well, take those out, see what's left over. Then I, I try to budget about $100 a month for eating out. And um, that kind of sort of spending, I have a bunch of line items for certain things and you don't have to like have a bunch of line items because remember, it's personal finance. So whatever works for you personally is what you should do. Um, and I also allocate a certain amount of my money that I take in every month for savings. And that savings goes either into a retirement account I have, um... It'll go towards, like, maybe some upcoming purchases that I might be making. Like, maybe, well, I'm not going on vacation right now or have any plans to go on vacation. But in non-pandemic times, um, I would be saving for a vacation of some sort. Um, my friends and I, like, this was probably spring of 20, like, spring or, spring or summer of 2019. We're like, yeah, we should go to Greece next year. Yeah, we should do that. And... Of course, like, that's probably not happening. So back when I thought it was happening, that's, like, what I was saving for. So um, I, I would say I'm a big saver. Um, but I also, I don't know, like, there's not a whole lot of stuff I personally spend on. Um, because I feel like there's not a lot of stuff I need. Um, so I definitely would say that I save probably a good chunk of my um, income. So that's sort of how I approach my budget, my finances. And again, you don't need to approach it the way I do because it's whatever works best for you. And everyone's situations are different. So it's like, 
it's like budgeting and personal finance is not a one size fits all. And I think that's something people forget about because I mean, I think the a really big thing that I've seen go around is like, you know, you have your income and it's like, what is it? It's like 50% of your income should go towards like your living expenses. So like housing, food, transportation, um, like reoccurring like medical care if like you have stuff like that so like that's 50% of your income and housing is something like should be like 30% of your income and then it's like 30% is like discretionary spending and 20% is for savings and I would say that's a good like base and a good blueprint but I also think that that kind of only benefits those people who have salaried positions and it works really well for them But for someone like me who doesn't have that, like, it's kind of like a good starting point. But I tried it for a while and I was like, okay, this this just doesn't work for me because I, like, it, it just doesn't. So approaching my finances as an artist and, like, having a fluctuating income is really interesting. And sometimes it's difficult because... I won't know until like maybe halfway through the month about how much money I'll be bringing in. Like I can sort of guesstimate at the beginning, but I won't know until the end like how much I'm bringing in. And normally I'll sort of start off with a with a base idea and like have an amount of money that I know I'm going to have to spend like just to live. An amount of money that I'll probably do some discretionary spending in and then savings. And normally about when I know that I'm going to be making more money then normally my savings goes up and like the number I have there. So, um, I mean, I could do an entire episode on like how to, like how I work my finances as an artist within a non-traditional job with an income that goes up and down. I could probably do a whole episode on that. Um, but that's sort of like how I approach it. Like I make sure that I have money set aside for you know, obviously my bills and my living expenses and also some like discretionary spending because I believe that if you restrict too much of like your money and you don't let yourself do anything fun, like you're so far, in my opinion, on one end of the like the spectrum, you're just going to like swing back like really, really far. So it's kind of like a pendulum where it's like if you're pulled so far one way, when you swing back, you're just going to go way past like the middle. So... That's like another part of like my personal philosophy is to have a little bit of money set aside for like just things you want to do that you know you want to do. Um, but yeah, if you guys want an, an episode just on how to sort of deal with your finances and plan for your finances, plan for your future on an income that goes up and down, um, let me know and we can definitely make that happen. So that sort of goes into like my personal money beliefs. Because I know there are lots of money beliefs out there and lots of people are like, this is what you should do to do this and this is what you should do to make sure you have that. And I think that, back to again, the one size does not fit all. It just doesn't. So sort of my personal money beliefs, I've sort of developed over the years. And I mean, I'm sure they're going to be changing. I highly doubt that I will have the exact same money beliefs like a year from now, two years from now, five years from now, it's going to change. And I think that's normal because as you go through life, 
you know, the money you make hopefully goes up. So money decisions change. Hopefully, you know, you're able to spend a little bit more on the things you want, save a little bit more for retirement. Um, but I think that, you know, anyone can save money. Like anyone can. And I think I'm in a privileged position to say that anyone can save money. Um, because I know there are people out there where it, it's a struggle to pay rent and it's a struggle to make your bills every, every month, especially if you have other people relying on you. So I realize I'm in a very privileged place to say that. Um, but I believe that, you know, it is possible for people to save money. And I think that any amount of money that you save matters and is worth it. Like, even if you can only put $10 in your savings account this month and maybe 15 the next month and maybe, like, maybe 20 the following month just because of how your finances are. Again, personal finance. But, like, that's that, that that's worth it. Like, you're saving for your future and you're saving for, you know, a bunch of... You're saving for potentially, you know, expenses you might not see pop up. And... Something interesting that um, I came across, uh, this was a YouTube channel that I found it on. Uh, the YouTube channel is called One Big Happy Life. And they were talking about, like, it's this couple that does the channel. Um, and they were saying that to them, like, you know, they, they think that, you know, having debt, like, it's definitely not like a great thing. But you don't need to just like pay down your debt and only focus on paying down your debt and not putting your money elsewhere. And I was like, huh, that's really interesting. And the more I watched their video on it and the more I've watched their, you know, YouTube channel as a whole, it started to make a lot of sense. Because yes, you might have a lot of money in like student loans um, or credit cards or what whatever you have like debt for, but... They made a good point that if you're putting all of your money into debt repayment and you don't have any money like as an emergency fund, um, one just sort of like one curveball out from like, you know, left field can really just destroy all of the work that you've done. And let me explain. Let me explain that. So it's say that you have a medical bill and you're like $10,000 into debt because of that medical bill. And, you know, you have, you're like, you're working, you're paying off that medical debt, you're like putting so much money into paying off that debt, and you pay about like, let's say you pay $5,000 of that off, and you haven't put any money into your savings, you haven't like, you haven't created an emergency fund or anything like that. Even though you have like, you've paid off 5000 of that $10,000, you paid off of half your debt, like that's fantastic. But... What if something were to happen and, you know, something, you know, something happens and all of a sudden you find yourself having to put like some, like something for $2,000, like say that your car breaks down or say that you have like an emergency and you have to pay like $1,000 on a credit card because you just don't have the money to pay for that out of the pocket. So now you sort of have set yourself back even more where... You know, you might have half of this debt paid off and you only have $5,000 left to go on that medical debt, but because you had no money saved up 
for emergencies, now all of a sudden you have like this extra thousand dollars you're in debt with. And if it's on a credit card, I know credit cards have ridiculously high interest rates. So it's just like compounding. And yeah, so the, when they explained that to me, I was like, okay, well, that makes a lot of sense. Whereas, so what they sort of say is, you know, pay off debt, but also put away for like a rainy day. So using the same sort of example, if you have, if you have like a medical emergency and you're $10,000 in debt and you work over time to pay off that medical debt, um, and you also are putting away money into a, um, a savings account, um, that savings account is your cushion. So it's like if you, let's say that you have, you know, $10,000 of medical debt and you pay off, let's say you pay off $3,000 of it, but you have $2,000 put away into your savings account. So yes, in theory, you could have taken that $2,000 and put it towards the medical debt, but, and you know, you'd be at $5,000 left to repay on the medical debt, but you have no money saved up for an emergency. Whereas by having $3,000 paid off on the medical debt and having $2,000 in a savings account, and that's, and like, you know, the same emergency were to happen where it's going to cost you $1,000, well, you have $1,000 that you can take from your emergency fund and put it towards that expense. So you're still, you still have a bit of your emergency fund left over, but you also are no more in debt than you were before. So that was just sort of the example they gave and it made a lot of sense to me. So that's why I think any amount of money that you can put away matters and it's worth it. And sort of once you're getting, once you get to a place where you are comfortable and are able to invest your money, I think investing is a really good option too. So examples of investments can be your retirement account. So um, there's like the traditional IRAs and the Roth IRA. IRA stands for individual retirement account, I think. I think I could be wrong on that I, but the RA I'm pretty sure stands for retirement account. And that's money that, you know, it's after tax money. So what that means is that let's say that you have, let's say that you make, you know, um, oh gosh, I don't know. Let's say that you make uh, $1,200 in a pay period. So pay period being two weeks. So let's say you make $1,200 during that pay period and $200 goes towards like taxes. So every, so let's say you have $1,000 post-tax. So for the, for a Roth IRA, which is what I have. And again, like I'm not a personal finance person. I'm not like a money expert. I'm just a person who like has an IRA, has a, has a Roth IRA, um, so this is just like my personal experience. It's like all of that money you have that like gets directed into like a direct deposited into your bank account. You can put some of that money into your retirement account. Now there is a difference between a Roth IRA and a traditional IRA. I'm not exactly sure what the difference is. Um, but I know with the, I know with the IRAs, it's like you have a maximum number you can contribute. So I think... I think for 2021, the max you can contribute is $6,000. If you're under a certain age, if you're over a certain age, you can contribute more. There's a lot of details that I really don't know. So again, 
Like, this is just my personal experience. Like, this is not financial advice. Go talk to a financial advisor if you have questions. Um, but yes, that's sort of after-tax money that you can put towards your retirement. Um, I also have a 401k through my employer, and my employer matches, um, but they don't match a lot. I don't know the percentage off the top of my head. Um, but I think I have like 4% of my paychecks um, go towards the 401k. And with the 401k, if we go back to the $1,200 sort of take-home pay periods example, um, that means that before any taxes are taken out, so let's say that you know I've got $1,200 that I get on my pay period before taxes, 4% of that $1,200 goes into a 401k and then taxes are taken out afterwards. So I believe the phrase for that is like pre-tax dollars. Um, you can totally check me on that and let me know if I'm right or wrong. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I'll put in a certain amount from my personal paycheck and then my employer will match based off of that. So off of that 4%, they they match a certain amount. Um, I don't exactly, I know there's different levels of matching. I know mine doesn't like match dollar for dollar, which I think actually some employers like even will match more than that, but I don't think those are super like, um, like super popular. Well, maybe not popular. I just don't hear about those as much. Um, but I think 401ks are a good option for investing. I also have certificate of deposits. I have, um, I have those and what certificate, certificate of deposits or CDs are, um, it's like where you put in a set amount of money one time and then you have a interest rate on it. I know that since, um, COVID-19 and 2020, the interest rates have been really not great. Um, so just maybe, you know, sort of feel out the market for when the interest rates are higher to put money in a CD, but it's like you put a certain amount of money in and you get interest on it month after month. And then after a year or 18 months or whatever you choose, it matures. So that means you can, I think what that means is that you can like take the money out if you want to, or you can keep it in. Again, not a financial expert. Go ask an expert. It's not me. Um, and I also don't know because I just haven't touched any of my CDs. I just like let them stay there and let them grow. Um, and also stock market investments. Um, I know this is something that a lot of people are a little wary of, and I can understand that. The stock market's not super straightforward. Honestly, I'm really confused with the stock market. I tried to sit down with my dad and like have him sort of explain to me what it, like how it works. And like I understand I understand enough of it to understand like how it works, but like the nitty-gritty of it, I'm like, no. <laughs> No, um, but I do put money into my investments, um, in the stock market and, um, a port, I think it's called a portfolio. I'm pretty sure that's like the technical term for it. Um, but I did have help from my parents with that and they do help me with that and my investments. So I'm very fortunate to have their guidance as well. Um, so yeah, those are just some, some investing, um, options that are out there. There might be more that I'm just like, not aware of because I don't do it or I haven't heard of them. But I'd say that's like a pretty good, like solid starting point. 
Um, but back to the whole personal money beliefs thing, like don't let anyone tell you that you can't save money because like, it's just not true. (laughs) Um, it definitely takes, it takes discipline to save money. It takes discipline to budget every month. And it takes discipline to just sit down and tell yourself you want to start budgeting, start saving money when you just haven't been paying super close attention to your finances. And that can be scary. Um, But I definitely think there's a benefit to it in, you know, doing the scary stuff now to benefit your future self. Um, So yeah, don't let anyone tell you that you can't save money. Like, you absolutely can. Like, I'm an artist. I'm, you know, I don't make $100,000 a year and I'm, I'm able to save for my future. Um, so yeah, and if you guys want more sort of like tips on how to do that, I could totally do an episode. I could totally do like a live workshop or something. Um, so yeah, let me know on that. Send me a DM, send me a DM on Instagram um, if that's something that would interest you. I'd love to explore that option more. Um, and something else that was said to me that when I first heard it, I was like, eh, are you sure? Um, but it's that there is always more money to be made and there's always money available to be made. And the first time I heard that was like, what do you mean? There's like, what? Like, no, this is like what I get paid. Like how, what do you mean? There's more. And what they meant by that is, um, You know, you can always take it into your own hands if you want to make more money. And I realize for some people, like, they work a lot and the money they make is what they make and working even more just, like, really isn't even possible. So I I understand that. Um, For someone who might work a 9-to-5 but they want to, you know, increase their income, when I say there's more money to be made... um, And even artists, like actors especially. Like we as artists and actors have so many unique talents that we could utilize in so many different ways. And I don't think that we realize that we could utilize our talents in this way. And also because like we're specialists, like, you know, like we are specialists. So, you know, you can charge money for these services that you have. And, you know, you can use your skills and your talents to help increase your income doing something that you want to do something that you're good at you know if you're an artist hopefully it's something that you love and that's like everything that i'm about like i just want people to realize that they can make money being an artist and being you know doing what they love being creative like you can make you can make a living off of being creative like look around you Like, everything around you is art. Like, I'm sure that there are people who have designed, like, you know, the label on, you know, the, um, on your lotion. I've got lotion on my desk. Or there's people who design the covers of books, like Netflix, Hulu, like, oh my gosh, all the streaming services, all the actors, like graphic designers, like people have to think of that. And that has to be, like, they create that world. Like, it is so, 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 so possible. And I hope that you guys, like, you know, if you're an actor, if you're not an actor, if, you know, you're just someone in your mid-20s, you're a young adult who just, you know, enjoys, you know, talking about this kind of stuff, like, like, art is everywhere. Like, it is. And I think that 
you know, once we as artists and creative people get out of that mindset of, oh, like if I crochet, I can only sell on Etsy or, oh, if I'm a graphic designer, I can only design like for like clients and there's no other way. To... No, there is a way to do it and there is a way to make an, an income and a living based off of what you want to do. Um, okay. So I went off on a tangent there. Um, but yes, there's always, you know, there is, there's a way. That's why I want to get across to you guys. There, there is a way. Um, and if we sort of like go back to the whole idea of like saving and investing and just preparing and like for your future, um, I forget where I heard this. I think it was on a YouTube video. Pretty sure it was. Um, but they say the best day to start saving or investing was yesterday. And the next best day is today. And I'm sure that phrase was taken from something else. Um, but they're right. Like, it makes sense. You know, the best day to do this was yesterday. The second best day, let's do it now. So if you guys do one thing today in regards to your personal finance and money, I hope, you know, I hope you take that first step. It might be scary and you might be terrified, but I want you to take that first step and actually... Tell me what the first step is. Um, email me, DM me on Instagram. All that information is in the show notes. Tell me what you did after listening to this episode. Tell me what you did, that one step, just one step, that you took to improving your personal finance and where you currently stand with your finances. I really want to know. I, I love personal finance. I love um, budgeting. I love all this stuff. Um... I, I love to talk about it. So there's probably going to be more episodes of me just talking about like money and stuff. So um, stay tuned for that. Um, okay, so I think I sort of got through all my thoughts there. But yeah, guys, um, I want you, I just want you to know that no matter what job you work, nine to five, non-traditional job, if you work multiple jobs, and, you know, no matter what your situation is, it's like, I, I know you can do this. I know you can make a living doing what you love. And I know, I know that you can, you know, take care of yourself and get your finances in order. And the smallest little step is better than no step, right? So to all you creatives out there, you know, between you and me, I... I know that, you know, having a fluctuating income can be scary and I've, I've lived it for who knows how long. I know it can be scary, but I also know that it's totally, totally, totally possible. And I, like, I, I really do. I, I really do believe that. Um, so sort of that actually works really well for what I wanted to tell you all about next I am having a five-day challenge and the five-day challenge is called discover your creative passion. Um, it's going to be on Facebook in a Facebook group with the same name. Um, the group will be opened on January 16th, which if this is being released on January 14th, um, the group's going to open this Saturday and it's going to be five days, you and me. Um, the actual challenge is going to be from January 25th to January 29th. Um, 
And yeah, I'm going to be going live for five days, Monday through Friday. I haven't decided on a time yet just because like I'm, I'm still like, I still have my own things that I need to own responsibilities during the day. Um, so I, I think what I might do is I might be aiming for 8 p.m. Eastern time, 5 p.m. Pacific. Don't really know what exactly I'll be doing there. Um, but I think that's the time I'll be aiming for. We'll see though. I'll definitely keep you updated. But yeah, join me for five days, January 25th to January 29th. And we're going to figure out what your creative passion is. We're going to get rid of all of those negative thoughts, those limiting beliefs um, surrounding, you know, being a creative person. We're going to find your creative passion. We're going to figure out what it is. We're going to get you clear on what it is. And I'm going to help you take those first steps to turning your creative passion into a way to make an way to make money, way to make in, um, an income, an additional income, you know, um, whatever, whatever you want to do with your creative idea, creative passion, we're going to figure it out together and it's going to be a super, super fun time. So the link for all of that. And I really, really hope that you come join us for this, um, this five day challenge. Again, the Facebook group is discover your creative passion. It's going to be open on the 16th. Um, link for everything, um, about the challenge is going to be in the show notes. Um, and yeah, I'm super, super excited to be doing this and I'm so excited for you guys to come join me and yeah, it's going to be a fun time. It is a free challenge. Um, so yeah, come on over, hang out with me for five days. I'm going to be going live. There's going to be recordings if you can't make the five day challenge um, live. So yeah, any questions you have for me about that, DM me on Instagram, um, send me an email and yeah, it's going to be a super fun time. And I'm so excited to help you guys, um, figure out what your creative passion is and you know, how to, how to just do fun stuff and make money. That's really what I'm, what I'm here to do with you guys. Okay. So I think this is probably the longest podcast episode I've recorded so far. So I'm super excited that you guys have made it to the end. Um, yeah. So if you have any questions, um, all of my social links are in the show notes, send me an email just to say hi. And yeah, we're going to have a great um, five-day challenge, and I really hope to see you there. So thank you all so much for hanging out with me today. I hope you have a fantastic rest of your day, and I will see you in the next episode.